At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Everywhere we turn, someone is promising to finally give us the satisfaction and happiness we long for. Yet from advertisements to political campaigns, these promises so often remain unfulfilled. We know God makes promises too, but do you ever wonder if He'll actually keep them? Join us for our Christmas series, Fulfilled, as we discover how Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promises to us and how the promises he kept then fulfill our deepest longings now. You know, I am a reader. I think I've shared that with you more than a few times. I enjoy books. And I know that many of you enjoy books as well. Now, if you're like me, you have this same uh, perhaps odd habit. The cultural narrative will tell you that the cover of the book is what matters. I would tell you, along with many other readers, would say, no, 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 the cover, that's just kind of to intrigue you. But what's on the back cover, that's what really matters. Because on the back cover is what you find are those things called endorsements. And the endorsements tell you kind of, hey, this book is really good. It's done by people you know or you trust. Other people who've written books who you'd say, now that guy, he knows what he's talking about, so I am going to read that book. And when he says that those insights in that book are intriguing, I want to read it. But oftentimes, what you'll find on the back of the book can be a bit misleading. Here's what I mean. Sometimes what they'll say is, this book will change your life. You guys ever read that on the back of a book cover before? This book will change your life. And as much as I like to read, I'm going to be honest, there's only been a few books that have truly changed my life. Nowhere near the number that actually says that on the back cover. But there have been a few. And when they make that proclamation on the back, that endorsement on the back, what I'm going to do today is a little bit like that endorsement on the back of a book. What we're looking at today in God's Word can change your life. I'm going to make that bold proclamation. I'm not going to just say, well, this is kind of okay. It's sort of important. No, I'm going to stand on the stage today and tell you that what we're going to be looking at from God's word can truly change your life. Now, how many of you believe me? That's not nearly enough. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to pray right now. Let's pray together. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we do thank you for inviting us here today. We thank you for the opportunity we have to gather as your people. To come and to sing your praises, to sing of your goodness to us. To sing of your holiness. To sing of your otherness. To be mindful of the significance of the coming of a baby. 
God, there are many of my friends here today, my family members who have come in today who have had a really difficult week. They're skeptical of what I've just said. That what we're looking at today from your word can truly change our lives. And in your word says it. So it's true. Because God, we stand upon the truth of your word today. But as humble, broken people, God, we need to hear this truth today. So give us ears to hear. God, we need to see this truth as it comes off the pages of your word. So give us eyes to see clearly your truth. And then God, we need humble genuine hearts that are open to the move of the Holy Spirit in our lives to move this truth from our head to our heart. So God, would you move in each of our hearts today, we pray and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, today we begin a new sermon series that is called Fulfilled as we journey towards Christmas Eve. Now, Matthew's gospel, that's going to be the foundation of our, of our time together over the course of the next few weeks. That is going to serve as the foundation for Jesus' birth story. Now, you may recall Matthew is one of the first followers of Jesus. And his gospel account of Jesus' life and in his time period, what he does is he sets up some very specific details that connect directly with Old Testament prophecy, with Old Testament truth. So when we're reading Matthew, what Matthew does is he says, I want you to know this, but I also want you to see that it comes from the Old Testament. So over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to be examining five specific passages from Matthew's gospel. And each one of those are going to show how God makes a promise in the Old Testament and then keeps it and fulfills it in the New Testament. And each one of those promises connect with your and mine deepest longings each one of those passages. So let's grab our Bibles and turn to the first one. It comes from Matthew chapter 1. We're going to pick it up at verse 18. Sammy read this passage to us a few moments earlier from our children's Advent, and I'm going to read it to us again. Let's read together. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things... Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, 
for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she gave birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Church, there is so much there for us to unpack. So many cultural things for us to consider. So much that happened in that text alone. And trust me, we're going to get to those things. But before we go any further, what I want to highlight for us and turn our attention to is something that happens that you read in verse 23. There is first a name and then there is a parentheses. I want to lean into both of those. Because what those things do, those items do. They tell us an important piece of today's text. The first, Emmanuel. The second, God with us. In those two phrases, Matthew is inviting all who read his gospel to see clearly the significance of the birth of Jesus. Because in Jesus, in the Christ God comes to be with us. He comes to be with us. And this is one of the most profound, important, life-altering statements that Matthew could possibly make. That in Jesus, in this little baby, God is now with us. God is now with us. But how does Matthew's first century audience know this to be true? I mean, let's pause for a second. Let's consider that for just a moment. How do they know that it's true? How do we, some 2,000 years later, right here in White Lake, Michigan, how do we know that that's true just because Matthew said it's true? This is what Matthew is striving to communicate to you and to me and to that first century audience. So let's take a little bit of a deeper dive and begin with verse 18. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. He's detailing how it happened. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, highlight that, underline that, we're going to get to that in just a second. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, as he was mulling these things over in his mind, as he was Considering these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Skip down to verse 23. Behold. The virgin shall conceive. 
You see, Church Matthew is writing to a largely Jewish audience. What he's doing is he's quoting Old Testament prophet by the name of Isaiah here in verse 23. And what you need to know about an Old Testament prophet like Isaiah, he warned God's chosen people of their sin and their need to repent. That's the role of an Old Testament prophet. Stop doing what you're doing. Turn, repent. So that was part of what Isaiah was saying. But there's this other stark contrast that happens in Isaiah. There's certainly the warning of coming judgment But there's also this hope-filled prediction of a coming Messiah. Matthew wants all to know about the coming Messiah, about the arrival of the Emmanuel. They might say, well, Pastor, how can you say this with such conviction? How can you say that this is true with such conviction? Because there are two very specific reasons captured in today's text. And I want to highlight the first one for you is the purity of Jesus' mother, Mary. That's the first point because it's the virgin conception. When Jesus is conceived, it is by, it is, he's given life by a virgin. And this is one of the many things that Matthew emphasizes as he tells the story, but it is a very important one, that Mary is betrothed to Joseph. He's engaged. And he also highlights something really crucial for us in that narrative. He said, before they had come together, that the baby, Jesus, was conceived Make no mistake, coming together means what you think it means. What's important for us to know in this Jewish culture about engagement, or as the term goes, betrothal, what's important for us to know in this culture is this was a binding legal agreement. This was not just something that they said, hey, do you think we should do that marriage thing? Sure, why not? It's a lot deeper and a lot more significant than that. They were bound to each other towards marriage, but they had not yet consummated the marriage. That's what betrothal meant. You were bound towards marriage, but you would not consummate the marriage until after the wedding. Let's put ourselves in Joseph's shoes for just a moment. He's betrothed to Mary. You understand the cultural of betrothal? He knows what happens in his culture. He knows what happens in his world, and he knows this does not look good because he also knows that he has not had sex with that young lady. He's not consummated their relationship. So what would be his natural conclusion? lack of faithfulness. She cheated on him. That would be the natural assumption. There was nothing in human history that would suggest anything else. So if you were Joseph in this moment, you would have to be absolutely devastated. And that's when an angel shows up. 
Joseph hears from an angel. And the message is one of relief and amazement. Two things, both relief and amazement. First, the relief part. Joseph understood that he could go ahead with his marriage to Mary based on what this angel communicates. He could care for her and he could protect her and he could be the man that he wanted to be in Mary's life. He could keep his commitment to this young lady. That's where the relief comes in. Now I start there because it's the more human side. The second one is amazement. Because Mary remains a virgin. The baby in her womb was miraculously conceived by the Holy Spirit. Church, that is the work of the supernatural. Period. That is the work of the supernatural. A pastor by the name of David Mathis explains it this way. He said, here's what's so significant about the birth of Jesus. It highlights the supernatural. On one end of Jesus' life lies his supernatural conception and his supernatural birth. On the other end of his life lies the supernatural resurrection and ascension to God's right hand. Jesus' authenticity was attested to by the supernatural working of the Father. So Matthew writes... And what he writes highlights the virgin birth because it shows with tremendous power, with tremendous clarity, that Jesus is the Messiah that Isaiah prophesied about. Because he was born of a virgin. Now, church, before we move on from this crucial point, allow me to address perhaps a a skeptic who might be here today. He'd say, wait a second, Pastor, I've read that Old Testament passage. I have read the book of Isaiah, and that original prophecy was actually given to a specific person. It was given to King Ahaz of Judah. How is it possible that what he says there connects and lines with what what Matthew is writing about Jesus? How could Jesus possibly be the fulfillment of that prophecy? by looking at the message that Isaiah was delivering. It's a sign of deliverance. It is a sign of deliverance, and this deliverance would come through the birth of a virgin. Now, ultimately, God does provide a son in the immediate context for Judah's deliverance. That does happen. However, Isaiah continues to prophesy, revealing a second and greater son who will come and bring a greater deliverance. Now, church, whether that's the first time you've heard about the virgin birth, you've only been in church a few times, you've never heard that story, you've never heard about the virgin birth, or it is the 5,000th time you grew up in the church and you have heard it over and over and over again. Allow me to assure you one thing this morning. It matters. The virgin birth matters. Because if Mary is not a virgin, Jesus is not Emmanuel, God with us. His birth does not fulfill the promise. 
And therefore, then he would not be the Messiah. But the good news is that Matthew strives to communicate in today's text that Jesus is the one who fulfills that promise. Because Mary was a virgin who conceived. It's true. Now, church, let's return to the text. See, the second way that Jesus' birth fulfills. Let's pick it up at verse 21. Matthew writes, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive, we've covered that, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so when Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. But he knew her not. That speaks directly of intimacy. He knew her not until she was given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Once again, Matthew returns to the prophecy of Isaiah to help his first century audience. Remember, Matthew is writing a gospel to an audience. We happen to be the recipients of that some 2,000 years later. So when we read this, it's another sign that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. This time, what he does is he highlights the birth of a son. The birth of a son. When Jesus is born, he fulfills the words, the birth of a son. Now, by acknowledging the birth of the son, Matthew goes beyond stating the obvious. You might say, well, if it's a boy, it's a son. Got that. More significantly than simply being a male, what happens in this context is the birth of Jesus shows that he is the promised son. He is a unique son, and therefore he is given the name that is above every name. He is given the name Jesus. That's the name in Greek. His name in Hebrew is Yeshua, which means Yahweh saves. That's his name. For the salvation the Son brings is clarified to us by the angel's words, for he will save his people from their sins. <laughs> the promised Son has come to bring a greater salvation than simply deliverance from enemies. There is more to the birth. He comes to deliver humanity from our enemy, your enemy, my enemy, and that is sin. He comes to deliver us from that. This is why the birth of a son is so significant. It's so incredibly significant because he is God with us. Now consider for a moment kind of the juxtaposition here. How the promised son Jesus, God with us, bridges the gap between the creator and the created, between the majestic and the crude, between the holy and the unholy. Church, Jesus is God with us. 
He's God with us. And as we reflect upon Matthew's message in today's text, I want us to see it. I want us to hear it. I want us to reflect upon the significance of that clear link between the prophet Isaiah and what Matthew is communicating to us. Let's look behind me on the screen. You're going to see a quote from Matthew chapter 7. Behold... The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That's in Isaiah. Then notice the phrase that Matthew uses in verse 23. With one very small and yet significant exception. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. What's the significance? What's the difference? Who are they? Who are they? And why does they matter? They are all who would trust in Jesus for the salvation of their sins for the forgiveness of sin, for their ultimate salvation. Jesus is the one who will save them. And what Matthew is doing is he is pointing ahead to the ones who will trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. These are the people who will know and who will experience Emmanuel, God with us. These are the wonderful truths that you and I are called to consider as we begin the Advent season here at Woodside White Lake. But these truths should cause us to reflect upon something that impacts us, not just during the Christmas season. When I talked about changing your life, this is what I'm talking about. Many people in our church today, many people who you are sitting next to have had incredibly difficult years. They've had an incredibly difficult time. Many have experienced tremendous loss. Loss of a loved one. Loss of a career. Loss of a relationship. And the truth is when things get difficult, many of us wonder in those quiet moments, we might not stand in church and say it, but in our quiet moments we wonder where is God in the midst of what I'm dealing with? Does God even know what's going on? Does he care for me? Where is his presence in my life? And it is in these exact moments when the truth of Matthew's gospel comes into play for you right where you live. In the midst of your questions, midst of your fears, in the midst of your sadness, that's when Emmanuel, God with us is something more than we reference during the Christmas season. It becomes a much deeper reality. The truth of Emmanuel, God with us. It means that God has invited you into a relationship. You are a fallen, broken human and he has invited you into a relationship. It means that God has provided a way for your sins to be forgiven and redeemed through faith in Jesus, the baby. And this also means that he has not abandoned his people. 
It means that Christ followers are never alone. Ever. Listen to the words of Jesus as he closes out Matthew's gospel. We're reading the birth narrative. I want to fast forward to the end of the book. This is what Jesus says. He says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Church in Jesus, the promised son born of a virgin, God comes to be with you and he comes to be with me. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And that means the Father has made a way for you and for me through faith in his Son. And that's good news for a fallen people in a broken world. Because it is only this relationship with God who is with us that will truly change our life. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.